sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. Hour number two, giving you the edge on the grid, Dane Martinez, and, of course, my main man, Kevin Walsh. Kev, plenty of days to talk basketball. It's going to compound on us, and the moves will continue. And to be quite honest, some of the stuff we saw last night, right, are probably only part one of a larger plan for those teams, right? To We're going to flip this pick, and then he's going to move there, or, you know, then we're going to free up this money to go sign the big fish, you know, or get an asset that we yeah. know this other team is interested in that'll maybe be part of a hardened deal, or whatever the case may be. So we will continue to break that down and follow it as the news permits. One thing I saw yesterday that we got to talk about, Kev, in the world of Major League Baseball, Robbie Cano got popped. Uh, he got popped for PEDs. I believe it's his second time. And so he will miss the entire season of 2021 here. And unfortunately, he will forfeit $24 million. And Kev, here's what I don't understand. If you are earning $24 million a year, you've made it. You've proved yourself. You don't need that stuff anymore, bro. I understand you can't walk off the island. I understand if you're in the minor leagues. I understand if you're fighting for a contract. He's already hit the finish line pretty much in that. Mm -hmm. And now he ain't got no money. I got to tell you, they say he's going to be down this whole season. He could technically come back in 2022. I think we have seen the last of Robbie Cano. It's tough, man. I love Robinson Cano. He's one of my favorite Don't players you know. in the Yanks. And I went to one of his first games back at Yankee Stadium with the Mariners. He hit two home runs on the Yankees. I gave him a standing ovation and screamed we should have paid him. I, and mm. people were booing me. I didn't care. Mm. I still think we should have paid him. Like, I have the opportunity to have hindsight on this subject, Dane. I still think we should have paid him. I don't care. Yeah. I stand by it. So this upsets me to see. It does. I will say what you're referring to is an interesting case study on baseball players as a whole. Why would Robinson Cano, whose story is written, if we're honest, right. making yeah, the money exactly. that he's making, find this to be a necessary move? I mean, I'll insert just, the word it, still. Why is it still a necessary move? <laughs> but, but like, is it just is this something that is going to always be ingrained in this sport that if somebody thinks they got something that nobody'll catch someone's going to give it a go someone's going to see if they can sneak it on by and at the end of, you want to talk about a yes. spin zone here's a spin zone for you it shows that Robinson Cano still wants to be competitive he still wants to be a contributor he's not trying to pack it in What's the other angle to take on that, right? I mean, obviously, people will be upset about it. Ego. It's completely, Ego. It's completely ruined any Hall of Fame chances that Robinson Cano might have had, which is unfortunate. I don't get too caught up in the Hall of Fame stuff anyway. But it to me, it's, it's sad more than anything else. As someone who's always been a big fan of Robinson Cano's, the secondary reaction is kind of what you're alluding to of just befuddlement. Why is this come on, thing? bro? Like, come on, bro. <laughs> you know. Well, let me give you the third layer here. And you know I love chaos. You know I love conspiracy, right? 
you know, this gives billionaire Cohen two things, 24 more million dollars to spend and play with and an opening at second base. Right. So now let's turn our attention. Right. Guys, big fish. And I know here in the New York area, you know it as well, Kev. You know, as we welcome in our radio audience from around the country here in New York, Cohen has explicitly stated, you know, he wants to fight with the big boys. He wants to compete with the Yankees, not only for wins, but for the back page. Right. I think mm-hmm. of ways he can now use this money because, listen, was Cano really worth twenty four, twenty five million dollars anymore? No, he can now allocate that to elsewhere. Guys like DJ LeMayhew, perhaps guys like, you know, fitting a trade for Francisco Lindor. Right. They got players, whether it's McNeil or others that can move and fill that void. At second base, I think this gives gives Cohen now even more ammunition to kind of rebuild that team. So much so that I wouldn't be surprised if somehow the back channels, you know, boom, he sniped Robbie Cano to get get out from under the contract. But where could the Mets go from here? I'm scared as a Yankee fan that they turn their attention and back up the Brinks truck for DJ LeMayhew. I am am getting to the point with the Mets. So and look, I know no no one signed anyone yet, but I, I am going to get to the point where it's like, just let me know when it happens, right? Right. Because it's because it's all anyone talks about when it comes to baseball, rightfully so. There's nothing else going on in baseball other than Steve Cohen is now in charge of the Mets, and him and Trevor Bauer seem to be in love. I mean, outside of that, there's nothing else that's happened. So I'm not blaming anybody who brings this up, but I've also been down this road before. I know the Wilpons are gone, but a lot of promises, and then Jason Bay, and nothing ever happens, right? Like, here's the thing with Mets fans. I don't, I, but isn't this a whole new a whole new thing for yeah, the Mets now? That's that's what it's supposed to be, but it it isn't until it is, right? Okay. And we have to see that materialize. I'll just say this as well because there is a Yankees side to this. If they lose DJ Lemayhew. If they lost DJ LeMahieu and then also did not move for Francisco Lindor, it then does beg the question what this team is looking to do. Many years ago, they decided they no longer wanted to spend excessively, right? Spend unnecessarily. And it was a wise decision. They had one of the better rebuilds in sports, you know, recent history. But then there was also, well, they're waiting to spend their money. And then Bryce came, and Bryce never came. And then they spent it on Garrett Cole. And they're supposed to be competitive. They're the second choice to win the World Series on the FanDuel Sportsbook behind only the reigning defending L.A. Dodgers. I still think there's options, though. They moved to second. It could still be a Didi, an Angleton Simmons, that kind of stuff. It better be. It's not as exciting. But we'll see. NFL when we come back. AFC East is looking really interesting. You have the Bills in first place, yet the Miami Dolphins right behind them in second place. Good teams find ways to win when things aren't working, and all of a sudden Miami is doing that. This Patriots team, I think, is if you're looking for a long shot value in terms of winning the division, is it going to be too little, too late, perhaps? But, uh, you know, I feel more confident back in them than I do the Miami Dolphins. The Sports Grid Network. Game time decision. So the total is 57 and a half. These short week games, though, 
they're rare that you get you know real track meets. Seattle is unraveling right now. And Arizona is climbing. Everything has to go up for 15-58. Even if you looked at the Buffalo game, that was a stone cold under game, and it ends up going over. So this year's NFL is crazy, but I do agree with you. 58, it all has to go right. Thursday night game in the division. I lean under in that spot. The Sports Grid Network. Pat McAfee Show. Taking the Bears plus three and a half tonight, huh? Bears plus three and a half, and I'm going to say Kirk Cousins is going to hit that over. I think it's 223. He's going to be forced to throw that ball. Got to force the theme in the Jefferson. So I, I still think he hits the over, but I don't think he wins the game. Hey, by the way, I saw yesterday uh, you picked against the spread for the first time. First Congra- time. Congratulations. Yeah. The Sports Grid Network. Hello, I'm Dr. David Chow, a.k.a. Pro Football Doc. I spent 17 years on an NFL sideline with the Chargers as a head team position, and I can tell you teams don't want to tell you the whole story. That's where I come in. I know what they're trying to tell you and trying not to tell you. I know how to assess injuries and how it will impact players and teams that week. Come check out ProFootballDoc.com. You can't make a bet or set a fantasy lineup without coming to consult with us at ProFootballDoc.com. The early line. The thing with Gordon Hayward is this is all because he has an option. He can decline a player Mm. option. He can accept it. The Hawks have the cap space to sign him outright. If you Mm. want to go to Atlanta, opt out, sign outright. I guess he wants to be able to basically have this be an opt-in and an extension. And maybe this current year's deal is at a value that he likely wouldn't get in the extension. The Sports Grid Network. In game live. The Charlotte Hornets are a team. They're hoping that, you know, maybe LaMelo goes first and Edwards falls to them at number three. Uh, but he's such a talented kid. I think that at the end of the day, the separation between one to three and yeah. then three to eight is big. I think they have to draft um, LaMelo ball and then they decided to do, you know, what they want. But you always have to draft the best talent. LaMelo's a top three talent in this draft. Catch the program every single day on the Sports Grid Network. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge, Dane and Kev. And Kev, uh, you know, there's so much stuff going on, right, with the NBA draft happening. We, we've gotten heavy into college football recently. It almost creeps up on you that week 11 of the NFL season kicks off tonight. And we'll talk about Thursday night football. But we still got to do some of the normal things we do to prepare for the week, right, Kevin? One of those is take a look at, you know, the Wednesday practice reports that always happen to get our level of concern with some of the injuries that teams are dealing with as they approach week 11. So I want to ask you about a couple of people. You know, it's interesting. We'll talk about Lockett and Carson in the context of our Thursday night uh, football look a little bit later on in the show. Um, You know, some people are coming back, which I think are interesting. Kenny Galladay practiced in full, which will be important for those Detroit Lions. We still don't know who will be throwing him the ball in that game later on in week 11 because Stafford uh, did not practice and, you know, is looking for all sorts of opinions with his thumb. I, I... I'm intrigued by Matt Breida coming back because the Dolphins have been putting it together, Kev, right, with Salvin Ahmed, uh, Jordan Howard for touchdowns, and that Miami defense. So Breida return is interesting to me. It also looks like, Kev, you know, your Eagles have activated Zach Ertz. That means he has his window to come on back as the first-place Eagles continue to try to work their way back and nurse their way back to health. 
No, oh, man, the Eagles. What a team. Let me ask you this, though, when it comes to Urch's return. You yeah. and I were both very excited about Dallas Goddard when he returned. That has not materialized. Now Zach Ertz is coming back into the fold. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just outside of Miles Sanders, is this team just bare of true fantasy options? I wouldn't go there. I, I wouldn't go there yet. Um, you, you Obviously, Miles Sanders, right? We know Miles Sanders. He's someone you could start every week. I... You know the Eagles very well, and we have seen before Ertz and Goddard be like two of their top pass catchers. I don't think that Ertz, like, I think it is possible for Ertz and Goddard. It's not like, oh, because the other tight end is back, it compromises. Mm -hmm. I think Ertz and Goddard are still like, you know, pass catchers for the Eagles because of the way they use them. And so I would hesitate to kind of make that distinction that Ertz compromises Goddard, right? I Mm -hmm. still, if I look at the Eagles, right, I see them as having four got when Ertz returns, I see Mm -hmm. them as having Goddard, Ertz, Rieger, and Travis Fulgham as their four uh, receivers, in essence. Because Ertz and Goddard, you know, they're tight ends, but they're they're receivers in that pass game. And so, no, those are the four options for Philly, in my opinion. Uh, so yeah. I don't think it, you know, if A, then B, because they're both tight ends, per se. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think the issue right now is they're not getting good quarterback play. So it's hard to have a herd that's not, yeah. you know, right? We talk about right. yes. the Steelers and the Chiefs. It's like, well, Mahomes yeah. and Big Ben are high up there in the MVP market. Wentz right, right now, a lot of people think should be benched. Now, I might disagree with that, but at the end of the day, no, it's not It's not going well. And, of course, that will alter then how sharp these guys look. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Dallas Goddard maybe started to pop off a little bit because there's more attention on Ertz and all of a sudden, you know, he's getting back to be healthier. I think that he's also working his way back health wise. Right. I I think that's all viable. Just the other name that you mentioned with Matt Breda, the Dolphins backfield. I've kind of given up on this. You and I had a conversation just about my own team where I managed to own like two of the three guys. And you're like, Hey, what's that about? I'm like, good point. They're both gone. And I mean, even in the props market, This is the type of stuff where you can catch the book, but I don't know how people are going to really decipher between Breda and Ahmed and and I think I said Breda, Breda and and Ahmed and, and, and these guys when it comes to trustworthiness. Right. You know, it's almost like they're morphing into, like, the old New England Patriots backfield. What do you know under Tom Flores, right? So I think that is interesting. Um... And that's part of why, if you remember, when I did the waiver wire this week, I I, I, I broke it out into short-term and long-term. And with Salvin Ahmed, who was a heavily added guy in the fantasy world, I was like, listen, if you need him for like one week because you need to get into the playoffs, cool. But if you're looking at this as a future move, don't forget, there will be Matt Breida back. Don't forget, you know, you know, Miles Gaskin will eventually be back as well. So I was not necessarily playing in that pond. The other thing we have to talk about, Kev, is the Vegas Raiders, 
who, you know, will host the Kansas City Chiefs this Sunday and what's a huge game. Remember, they are an AFC wildcard contender. You know, a few weeks ago, Kev, remember how their entire offensive line went on to the COVID list with close contacts and all that stuff? Well, now it's happening on the other side of the ball. Something like eight of the 11 starters on defense for the Raiders are on mm -hmm. the COVID list, but as the close contacts. And it seems like that's what the LFL, like, I hate to say it this way, Kev, but it seems like that is the half measure that the NFL is taking, right? They they put all the close contacts away, but now this has happened so many times. I I expect them to be up for sats for Sunday against Kansas City, but we don't really know. You mentioned at one point they took the game off the board because of this. How do we handle the fact that the majority of the Raiders' defense can't practice this week, but we kind of expect them to play on Sunday? Yeah, I I mean, it's just what we've dealt with, right? Just players aren't practicing. At this yeah. point in the year, practices are a bit lighter, aren't they, anyway? So maybe it doesn't mean as much. The entire number, defense? Oh, I mean, look, it's not ideal, Dane. I'm not saying it's not <laughs> ideal, right? I'm just saying, I, I don't know if all it's... Right. It, like, here's the thing. With COVID, it's just all of this stuff is somewhat normal. Think about what I just said. But no, no mm -hmm. one's practicing, and it doesn't matter. I like, and yeah. I understand it sounds bananas, but it's like this is what we've been doing. The number was seven. I was hoping it was going to get to six and a half. It's up to eight. Hopefully, it doesn't go much further than that. You always want to be careful thinking that teasers can't lose. But goodness me, do I want the mm. Kansas City Chiefs as a part of all of my teasers? Now, I lean towards them covering the eight. I expect a, a pissed-off Chiefs team. The problem is when it comes to a teaser – it's never great when everybody's got the same idea. Right. It's not. Right. And I guess right. I guarantee we all got the same idea here that the Chiefs on a six point tease below the key number of a field goal, right. through the key number of a touchdown, what could be better? I agree. But now all of a sudden we all have it. And they win by one, and it's like, oh, no. Right. Or they lose yep. again, and it's like, oh, and boy. And the team that lost, they lost to the Raiders in their home building a few weeks ago. Yeah. And then whatever, they're doing donuts in the parking lot. I don't care about that. But to your point about the teaser, right, like my three-team teaser last week, I lost – two of the three legs. It was getting the Packers to under a touchdown, right? Yeah. And they win by four. And then, you know, because obviously the Patriots are still contenders, me teasing the Ravens down to a half point didn't matter at all. You know what I mean? So it is better. interesting. Yeah, I guess I should have known better about the monsoon coming my way, right? But what do you, like, how do you handle this? Honestly, like, this is a big game in the AFC. Like, what do you expect to happen? Because, like, are all eight of these guys just going to be up and it's fine? And this is something we should sort of like not really treat with, you know, urgency? Unfo yeah. This is the thing. We get COVID updates. We're like, hey, the practice facility is dead. We don't even talk about it anymore. Right. We're just, right. We just wait till Sunday. We're like, yeah, I'm assuming they'll all be cleared. And then they are. I mean, maybe one guy will miss, right? Like, yeah. But this is the way the NFL operates right now. We briefly talked about this. I don't know if it was yesterday. Maybe, maybe it was Tuesday morning. Um, but just how the approach to COVID in the NFL, that marker was that Thursday night game with the Packers and the Niners. I want to cancel this game. I want to cancel a primetime game. You don't even have buys anymore, Green Bay. Oh, play. Figure it out. Oh, what's that? You seven might have had. You're out. Well, get guys, we don't have receivers. You're out. Doesn't matter. Yep. Figure it out. Richie James, have a night. Uh -huh. And that's what we do. So when the Raiders are like, hey, 
Remember when the Raiders were going to play a game without an offensive line? That's what I'm saying. Like, it was like just going to be ago. like me and me, you and Josh Jacobs were going to be blocking for Derek Carr. Yeah. Like that's, and it's what? interesting to me because I don't know, I don't know how I feel about it, right? Because remember in the beginning, but then the they season, all played, like, hey. right? But like we were worried because what would the NFL do when they lost their wiggle room, right? Of the buys and stuff like that. It seems like what the NFL has done has been like, f it, we're gonna go through, <laughs> you know, and that is interesting. We'll see how it keeps going. We got plenty of games to break down, Kev, and we'll start to do that. We'll start when we come back with games that I'm going to ask you, should we bet it now or should we wait? Why? Because we got to watch for the hook in certain games. So we'll look at those games and see if you want to pounce or, you know, wait until noon on Sunday like you usually do. The update is next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. We welcome in, of course, all of our radio affiliates as well. Everybody, Kev, is trying to get the edge, and we welcome them to come on in and do so as we cockadoodle do it 7 to 9 a.m. every weekday morning. Kev, let's start looking at some of these games in week 11 of the NFL. We always talk about, you know, at this point in the week, you know, sometimes it makes sense to get ahead of it before the hook appears before the hook vanishes you talked already about some movement in that vegas game you know we prepared the reports about the um you know the raiders defense another one i want to ask you about though honestly kev is um all of these quite frankly but let's start with the uh let's start with the ravens titans because that is one that i think you know we've got these are two AFC wild card teams that are on right mm-hmm. now that wild card line. And with teams like the Raiders, the Dolphins, the Browns threatening, you know, this is a, you know, a big kind of pivot point for these teams. The game is in Baltimore and the number we're seeing here is six. I think it was six and a half at some point. Do you like this under a touchdown one way or the other? How do you see this game? I'm going to tell you right now, i you give me the Titans, who are a sweaty old team, right? You give me six points. I, I might take Tennessee. How do you see this game breaking out? So I think from the watch for the hook perspective, this was six and a half. So some, okay. some buyback on the Tennessee Titans is a six sits there right now. And the minus yep. 112 is at a plus six. So people agreeing with you, they like the Tennessee Titans. You know, I'll tell you, the 49 and a half stands out to me quite a bit, Dane. Be very off base here, but what we learned from the Titans last week is defensively they are a mess. I don't know, maybe a Dory Jackson's healthy, and then they go back to looking how they did against the Bears. God, I'll never forgive that team for what they did last Monday. But I think that the Ravens should be able to move the football. And if you like the Titans, I would think maybe I'm wrong here. You would expect them to be able to score some points in this matchup as well. You know, yes. if I were to ask you roughly for a score, 27-24 either way. Sure. Yeah, 24-20, you know? I'm saying something in your universe, yes. Like, I could see the, the over being in play here. I have a lean towards Baltimore. The one thing that you and I have talked okay. about, Titans-Colts a week from today or a week ago right? Um, is the game that has changed my perception around two teams more than any in the league. 
I just worry about this Titans defense. It's and Baltimore really needs a get right game somewhere, man. I don't, but maybe it doesn't exist. I, like, I don't know how long I can sound the alarms on this Lamar mm. thing not having to just do with playing the, the teams, unless we think New England's a good defense again. Uh, I doubt it. I don't. Yeah, I didn't think I so. <laughs> okay. so but, but, but I'm saying then the, then the Lamar conversation that I've been trying to, to right. broach here is a lot more than like can't play from behind. And uh, it's like yeah, something's true. going on with the team as a whole. Yeah, no, I, I, I am with you. Remember, I am starting to sour on the Ravens. Remember, I believe, and you know the way I view some of these things, is they have not proven to me that they can answer some of those questions. The game I was looking for, I now see in terms of watch for the hook, and it's Indianapolis and Green Bay. This is an interesting one to me, okay? Talk to me about the hook in this one. Talk to me. This, this line to me seems to represent that the book was impressed by what the Colts did last week against the Titans, right? Because now even the Packers, who are at the upper echelon of the NFC, they come on in. If you give me the home field advantage, what have you, they see these Colts and Packers as even teams. The other one thing mm-hmm. I'll add on this one in the context of the injury report we saw, Devontae Adams did not practice um, yesterday. Mm-hmm. This could be just an early week managing of reps, that sort of thing. I expect him to trend in a positive direction. But talk to me about this one. This this surprised me a little bit. Um, I un, that I could get you know I can get the Packers at plus money. Or do people believe? Do you believe the Colts are uh, starting to make progress? So this was a, a game where the line and Fanduel always does this. They post you know on Sunday they'll show you what next week's games look like, yes. and then results kind of trickle in and things yes. change. So the Packers were supposed to be one-and-a-half to two-and-a-half-point favorites. We then saw it open back up with the Colts at two-and-a-half. Again, a lot of people liking what you're what you're talking about here, Dane. They're by the Green Bay Packers. This number's down to one-and-a-half. Now, I'm prepared for this to all go terribly wrong. The Titans spend 60 of 60 minutes covering six against the Baltimore Ravens, right, right, right. and then the Packers obliterate Phillip Rivers. But I think I like the Indianapolis Colts in this spot. I do. I just... I'm impressed with what they've been able to do off of the bye. And that Titans game certainly influenced that more. But they are a good defense. And offensive, man, unless the Titans are just the worst defense in football. Like, I almost feel like it's difficult to take the Ravens and the Packers this week, right? Like, it's one or the other type of deal. Like, for you. Based on what you feel about the Titans, is that what you're saying? I'm just like coming out of that game. Like I feel like it would be hard to say, yeah, I'm on Baltimore. I think Tennessee was ex- was exposed. I'm on Green Bay. I, I I don't believe anything the Colts did was for real. Like that's yeah, a if you like for you. Tennessee's you're like exposed, then you don't put credit in the Colts. And that's what I'm saying, right? Like it would it would right. be hard to find th- those two angles. So I think for you, you're like eh, I trust Tennessee a bit more, and I'm not sure about the Colts, and I'm a little bit more right now on the other side of it all, where I was impressed by the Colts and I'm worried about the Tennessee Titans, I am struggling to figure out which way this game is going to go because it's obviously moving in Green Bay's direction. But I wouldn't be surprised to see people come back around on Indianapolis, especially if Devontae Adams' status remains up in the air. Fair enough. And then I got to ask you about uh, one other one of these games on the board. You know where I'm going, Mm. Kev. Eagles-Browns. Eagles-Browns. The spread is at three right now. 
right? And if you get three points for home field advantage, then the book is saying that the Eagles and the Browns are even teams if this game was played on the moon, right? And uh, I don't believe that. Um, I, I, you know, Kev, not to be disparaging, your Eagles, what have you, you know what I have said. I believe that the return of Nick Chubb brings the Cleveland Browns back to having a big time one, two punch in the run game. And I think that could be enough. I know the Eagles front is like the best part of the Eagles. Right. But I don't know if it matters with Hunt and Chubb there. Uh, Yes, maybe they're getting healthier. They are a first place team. But ironically, it's almost like the Browns have more to play for somehow. Talk to me about how you see this game going. It is in Cleveland. We'll have to check the wind as well because the wind seems to be valid in Cleveland. But is this a game? Kev, despite whatever your leanings and fandom is, is this a game where you're waiting for a hook one way or the other? I won't bet the Eagles no matter what. They could post a 25. I'd bet them at plus 25, I think. Look, and I I think you would still attest then that when it's come to the Eagles this year, I've, I've been pretty straightforward about what I expect from this team. And I think you've been straightforward about the Eagles. You have been less than straightforward about the other teams in the division. I don't think that's true at all. I think this past Monday, I said the the Giants Giants wouldn't win another game. (laughs) And outside of that, I was like, look, the Giants aren't the value. And everyone was like, 10 to 1. And then they lost. They weren't the value. I'm like, it's Washington. Like, I. I, 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 Let's talk about Eagles Browns. Here's my my thing with, with this game. It was one and a half before the Sunday games were played. And I went, oh, God, that's not going to go well. And now it's three. I'm not surprised one bit. The minus three is minus 118. The hook probably gets here. I'll just say, be careful trusting this Browns team to cover a number. They've broken a lot of hearts this year against the number. Both Bengals game in spectacularly heart-ripping fashion. Nick Chubb bounces out at the one last week, and I don't even know if it's a bad beat anymore with these things. He makes a good football play. It's tough. It's annoying if you took the number with the Browns, obviously. You know, catch a break. It is what it is. I don't know what to do with the Eagles. I don't. Because they come off of the bye healthier than they've been for a lot of the games all year. And they just lay an egg against the Giants. And now here they come against Cleveland. The world will be against them. Is it competitive? I hope so. But I'd rather they play it on the moon and then somebody satellites down the results and I don't have to worry about it. Fair enough. Well, listen, if you're looking for an opportunity to still back those Eagles, you may want to watch for the hook, Kev, because right now the juice, you know, it's Cleveland minus three, minus 118, right? So if anything is going in that direction, you may ultimately, if you wait and watch for it, get a hook in this one. The last one I want to touch on briefly, the Dolphins go to Denver uh, to take on the Broncos, and this one has the hook at three and a half. We also don't know for certain about Denver Broncos starting quarterback Drew Locke in this one. You and I both last week thought maybe the law of averages was going to, you know, uh, upset the apple cart with Tua and the Dolphins. The Dolphins have a top three defense right now, Kev. The Denver Broncos have a bottom five scoring offense. They turn the ball over the most in the NFL, Kev. They have the most turnovers in the NFL. And we've been saying, can this defense continue to make those plays like they did against Jared Goff, right? Like they did against, you know, Kyla Murray even. Uh, do you find a way for the Broncos to hang close here as a home dog? I'm so tired of this Dolphins team. What am I going to pick against them every single week? 
And then they're just going to be unbeaten. Like, you can't keep doing it. You can't keep seeing spots on the board that right. scream. Try. You know, I remember yeah. right before that game against the Chargers, I asked this question to Gabe as we were doing kind of the handover. I said, is it a trap if everybody knows it's a trap? Because that was the deal, right. right? It was like, wow, look at how little small the number Miami is laying. Right. right? Everyone was like, the Chargers, it's the smart side. Yeah. And then what happened? They didn't co- They weren't covering at all, right? Like, so sometimes it's like trap for like, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that want to take Denver getting three and a half. I mean, at this point, if it's Brett Rippon, what do we want me to do? Like with the Miami defense that just can't stop making plays. Defense, yeah. Like they're not going to not make plays against the Denver Broncos. I probably won't bet this game, but you're going to ask me for a pick. I got to take Miami. I'd, I'd rather take Miami and lose than the other way around. All right. We look at what happens tonight. When we come back on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. So, Kev, let's start doing it. Week 11 kicks off tonight with, quite frankly, a huge game in the NFC, right? This is absolutely huge. The Arizona Cardinals go to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. The Seahawks are undefeated at home so far this season, even though they've had to sneak by a couple of times, right? They sneak Mm -hmm. by New England. They sneak by Minnesota, and we'll see what happens in this division matchup. The spread is three. The total is 57.5. Kev, If I could try to put together the pieces of the way I've heard you react to these two teams recently, um, it feels to me like you think the arrow is pointing up on Arizona, like you think the arrow is pointing down on Russell Wilson, the Seattle offense, and the Seahawks. So the question for you on this one is, tonight, do those trends continue or does Seattle step up and stop the bleeding? I'll tell you what. The beginning of the year, the games I felt the strongest about, I seem to be getting correct. Okay. Recently, the games that I've been feeling the strongest about have not gone the way as anticipated. Okay. So I enter this game a bit timid because I feel very, very strong about a specific side in this game. It's very hard to beat a team twice, Dane. It's real hard mm-hmm. to beat a team twice. It's true. It's real hard to beat a quarterback like Russell Wilson twice. Real hard to beat Russell Wilson in Seattle. Real hard for Russell Wilson to lose a third straight game. But what about all his turnover interception problems? Well, this is the reality. Mm -hmm. Russell Wilson, who has been a turnover machine, one game he didn't turn it over, handled the Niners comfortably. Russell Wilson is having a turnover issue, but goodness me, At some point, I would like to think Russell Wilson can handle the football. Also, he had to throw three picks for them to lose this game to Arizona in Arizona. I just look at this spot here as a get-right spot for the Seattle Seahawks. Dane, if they lose this game, it's going to be a lot more than me sounding alarms. We will start tomorrow's show asking if Seattle is in danger of missing the postseason. That will be the conversation. A team that would have then lost four of five. I don't mm-hmm. see that happening. I really don't. I will say, you know, when 
when someone says, I can't imagine X happening, well, right. then you better imagine it, okay? Then go bet you it better, happen. <laughs> yeah. You, right. you, well, but, but you better imagine it, and you better figure out what messes you up. That's what will mess me up tonight here on the Seattle Seahawks. Rust turnovers continue. But outside of that, it's too tall of a task for me for Arizona. They got that miraculous win last week against the Buffalo Bills. Dane, if that ball falls on the ground, the oh, spread course. isn't yeah, three. Yeah, yeah. The spread oh, is yeah. not three. It's it's this number was 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 an early line of a five and a half. I like the Seattle Seahawks. They lost last week to a Rams team off of a bye. I expect Russell Wilson to go out there tonight, ball out. Hey, right back here in the MVP. A lot of people got Kyler over Russ. Season ended mm-hmm. today. I think right. that flops. I think that switches back tonight. And Russell Wilson puts himself firmly back, not only in the MVP conversation, but the driver's seat of the NFC West. Okay, that's fair. You know, when I look at this spread and this total, Kev, Right. I see yeah. the total at 57 and a half. Right. And a lot of times we're like, hey, let's let's try to get a final score that matches this. Right. So what they're telling you is 3027 Seattle. Right. That's what yeah. they're telling you. 3027 Seattle. And here's the thing that profiles to a kind of game that I'd be willing to accept. Right. The Seattle Seahawks defense, I think, is dead last in the NFL in terms of yards allowed. Right. Yeah. So I don't know how the dynamic Kyla Murray with the returning Kenyon Drake and D op who, you know, he has his six XL gloves and is the best wide receiver on planet earth and all that stuff. Hmm. I don't know how that Seattle defense stops this Arizona offense. I just don't. Right. And on yeah. then on the flip side, you know, Seattle, I believe Russ can cook still at home. Uh, Chris Carson won't be, we don't think active for, um, the Seahawks, we do think that Tyler Lockett, even though he's dealing with a little bit of a knee sprain, will be active. And we may have the returning Carlos Hyde to, you know, maybe help out what I always say is a critical piece of the run game on some level. Remember, they, they you know, what they tried to do on fourth and ones a few times in the last week. You know, they have other options now. But I digress. Mm-hmm. I don't think Arizona can stop Seattle either. So for me, this profiles to one of those games where, like, does Russ have it last? Does Kyler have it last? And because of that, I'm just—I would just take the points, right? Um, mm. So I am doing that because I saw close games in this division last game against Arizona. They—they they play close games. I would take the three points. However, I don't think they're going to get there. And this is the one of the things where you're like, there's no way blah, blah, blah can happen, right? Everyone expects 57 and a half is a high-ass total, Kev, okay? Uh, you were talking about <laughs> Russell Wilson over two and a half, you know, Kyler Murray over rushing prop, D-hop to get in the end zone, all that stuff, right? But guess what, Kev? All that, like, needs to happen to get above 57 and a half. Yep. And two things that I know that over time I will hang my hat on. One, this is Thursday night. Okay, I think we get sometimes sluggish performances, lower scoring performances on Thursday night with the short rest. And Kev, these are division opponents who know each other, who just played each other a few weeks ago and will make adjustments. I think all of that leads to can they score? You know, you said 27-24. That doesn't get us there. I said 24-20. That doesn't get us there. I think everything would have to go right. And so of all these things, because I think these teams can kind of go back and forth a little bit, and I think yeah. uh, the quarterbacks with the ball in their hand last, I'll take the points, I think. But my best bet on this one, I think I'm going under the 57 and a half because everyone loves these offenses. 
but they'd have to be, you know, 100% of their potential to get there. So last time they played, the game did go over the number. Before overtime, it went over the number. The thing with betting Thursday night under no 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 I'm just bringing it up I'm just bringing it up the thing with betting under fifty seven and a half is you will feel calm until there are fifty two or fifty one points scored in the game that's what happens when you bet under fifty seven and a half don't sweat it until you're a score away because the way totals work is things are going great until they're not. Until they're not. And in this game, there were 44 points scored in the first half of the first go-around, right? So you would have then been two touchdowns away from getting over that number. That, if you remember the game name, right? Mm -hmm. Do you know when you got to the 58 mark? When Russ threw a fourth down goal line touchdown to Tyler Lockett that was this close to being out of bounds, he doesn't Mm -hmm. throw. Right. Maybe they never get to that number because then Arizona's got to go length of the field. Seattle's defense is tight. Yeah, the game strip. The foot's are still like, on the gas pedal, yeah. So that's the reality here. If you guys really like the over, right, you're like, listen, I, I can't bet the under. I want to bet the over in this game. The over in the first half, if you take a look at the FanDuel Sportsbook, is 29, hmm. okay? Minus 130 the under. So think about this, Dane. FanDuel is juicing the first half, thinking first people half. are going to try and get in and get out. Look, I got you. I'm out of here. Type of situation, which is very understandable because this can be difficult. Here's the deal. If you get 30 points in the first half, you at home, Dan, are like, four touchdowns is what it's going to take to beat me. Not too worried. You know, right? I'm sure you would prefer a lowing score, scoring sure. first half. But, but I would hope that it slows down in the second half then, too. But and if it's 30 people, points, it's a lot different. 21-10 is a lot different than 17-17, right? In terms right. of the game flow and what would happen in the second half. And I think for overbetters, if you don't get 30 points in that first half, now it doesn't mean you can't see things open up in half number two, but you're getting some plus money on it. So tonight could be a night where you're either full game under First half over. I think that could be a way for people to play this total. I am expecting a big night from this Seattle offense, though. Okay. I am. That first half against the Cardinals, no punts, all all scoring drives except for the Buda Baker interception, DK right. Metcalf DK chase down. They're down. on the five-yard line going in to score again. The second half, obviously, they only for the rest of the game, they only scored seven more points, that Tyler Lockett touchdown. So to me, I think Seattle then goes, oh, we can't slow down. This needs to be points, 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 until we can't score anymore. I think Seattle could flirt with the 40 mark tonight, but I need to be smart about what I'm doing here, right? Because, Dan, if I tell you that Seattle could flirt with 40, and then they go out yeah. there and they score 35, I still need quite a bit from Arizona. That's why I'm laying the three. That's why I'm going to look at Seattle's team total. And that's why I have right now already a position on Russell Wilson over two and a half touchdown passes. That's fair. Uh, I want to ask you another way to skin the cat. Kev, you do this all the time, right? These teams, along with the Rams, all are 6-3 and in the NFC West, right? I look at the Arizona Cardinals, right? And you've told me you think Seattle gets right here. Fine. Yeah. Okay. No problem. If you like Arizona 
in this one and you're out there right i kind of like arizona but eh, we'll see arizona's 138 on the money line kev okay if yeah. they win this game it would be plus 138 you'd be hitting on the money line right but then in that universe arizona would be a game up on seattle but in reality two games up right because they would mm -hmm. have swept the season series head to head against the seahawks they would have both wins against seattle I look at the NFC West division market, Kev, and the Arizona Cardinals are still among these three teams tied at six wins. Arizona is third at plus 250. If they win this, they would, you know, at least get to seven, be two games up in essence with the tiebreaker on the Seahawks. Um, if you like Arizona, how do you allocate your units among the plus three, the money line, and futures markets? So... I need to check something with you when it comes to Seattle. As far as that question goes, I think the Arizona Cardinals tonight, if you like them on the money line, it is not totally necessary to bet them in this market because Seattle's schedule features three more NFC East games. I do think that's important. Okay? Sure. I like what Seattle has moving forward, although Arizona then has a, f like a full game up and a half on Seattle. They completely right. would own the tiebreaker then, right? Right. I actually think that Seattle at plus 125, because here's the deal, Dane. They are favored to win this game. The Rams are favored to lose this week. Then they'd go a full game clear of both these teams. I have my three NFC East matchups. I'm not saying they're going to win all three of them. Could right, be right, two right. and one, whatever it is. But that's, I'd rather have three NFC East teams scheduled than, you know what I mean, the other way. Sure, sure, sure. They have the home leg of the Rams. I think Seattle at plus 125 is actually the division market I'd want to dance in. Right. Here's the Where question. The gap that of I the wanted... plus 138 to 250 for Arizona is less yeah. better for you than minus 164 to plus money for the division if they got through yeah. this hurdle. That's, that's how I'm seeing it. Here's the question that I wanted to check with you at as we're now kind of talking about this. Yeah. The Seahawks were the team that was, and you know where I'm going with this, they were the team that was supposed to go to the Super Bowl for you out of the NFC. Yes. I feel like it's been like, oh, Kev, you're now low on Seattle. I like Seattle tonight. You like Arizona. You done with Russ and the Seahawks? I am not. I am not, and I will tell you why. And you're not going to like it, Kev, but I'm going to be consistent. I think Seattle is a different team when Chris Carson comes back. I really do. Um, and, and, and this is not that night yet, mm -hmm. right? Carlos Hyde is back. Chris Carson is not. I believe that the Seattle we will see in January with their, you know, the uh, top top half of the NFL running back makes this mm -hmm. a different team and all of a sudden could even have implications for their defense could have implications for the turnovers right so in this yeah. spot I like Arizona but I am okay still with Seattle at least to the NFC championship game with their running game so that's how I believe I'm staying consistent we'll wrap this up on the other mm -hmm. side of the break SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back in, everybody. Uh, right here to the early line. Kev, I want to end on a fun note. I don't know if you've seen what the Jacksonville Jaguars are doing. 
right? Because remember when they made that trade with Yannick Ngakwe, there was a conditional draft pick involved, okay? The conditional draft pick was going to be, I believe, a third or a fifth or whatever. And the, the, the condition is if Yannick Ngakwe makes the Pro Bowl. Okay, if Yannick Ngakwe makes the Pro Bowl, the Vikings have to give the Jaguars a better pick. Okay, so in a strike, a stroke of genius, Kev, the Jaguars are like, hmm, how do we get Yannick Ngakwe to the Pro Bowl to make this hmm. pick better? Ah, people vote on it. Who would like to see the Minnesota Vikings get compromised in the draft? The rest of the teams in the NFC North, right? So the Jaguars are hollering basically at the Bears, the Lions, the Packers, their social media, and their fans to try to vote Yannick Ngakwe into the Pro Bowl so that the Vikings have to ship away a higher level pick. I think this is genius, Kev, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, whether it's their front office or a social media intern that decided to build on this campaign. Because quite frankly, I think Packers fans... Bears fans, Lions fans, they'll be more than willing to comply. The city of Chicago is locked down again. Go vote Yannick Ngakwe into the Pro Bowl. It'll hurt the Vikings. What do you say about this one? I thought this was genius, witty, all of the good things, Kev. I am so high on what this Jaguars organization is going to be able to pull off. They're ready for it all. They are ready for it all. And that's what you want to see. I'll say two things. One, they might ruin uh, Pro Bowl conditional draft compensation yeah, for right? everybody else. Like, we may never <laughs> see that again. Two, how do you feel if you're Yannick Ngakwe, though? If you're just like, the best is he plays on the Ravens now. Right. <laughs> like, like the Vikings are like, wait a minute. So he's yeah. going to, like, make a Pro Bowl for Baltimore. Like, And if you're Yannick, you're like, right. I made a Pro Bowl. Okay, great. Like, Whatever. what is going yeah. on? Yeah, it's awesome. I love it. Jacksonville. I, I, I think it's awesome. It reminded me of remember when Andy Dalton with that last second stuff and got the, with the Bengals win in the last week of the season, and then like the Buffalo Bills fans thanked yeah. him by donating to charity. I like this mm -hmm. kind of stuff. It's so 2020. We'll be talking about all the games tomorrow on a football Friday. But up next, the morning after, keep the edge. Stay on the grid with Ariel and Jared. We'll be back here tomorrow talking more NBA moves and everything in week. 11. Y'all have a great day every day. Body day for Kevin. I'm Dane. We'll see you tomorrow. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.